The substance from which we came was not from this world. Actually, this world came from another realm, from the kingdom of God. It came from heaven. I'm going somewhere with this as it pertains to Isaiah because I want you to see something. So Isaiah, when you see something prophetically, when you begin to observe something in a dream, we think of it as way out here. But in reality, it's now. Because if God created time, if he created, if he was the one that knew from the foundation of the earth that the Son of God would be slain, would be given for the sins of the world, then he supersedes time. So if we are in him, then therefore we supersede time. So Isaiah is seeing something. And he says, for unto us. Jesus wasn't born when Isaiah was born. We're in a different realm, guys. We're going to have to step over into that realm together. I want you to step into that realm and see some things like you've never seen before. Isaiah said unto us, thousands of years before Jesus was born, he could see it as if it was happening right now. What is it in, in your life that you see and you see it as if it's right now, but it's not right now in the natural he said, for unto us. See, that proves it. That proves that he supersedes time because Isaiah saw it to such a degree that it manifested to him to where the only way he could articulate it is say us. For unto us a child is born. Now go with me because this theme is going to run through the whole thing that I'm talking about this morning. Unto us a son is given, capital S. And the government will be, will be. So he's transitioning from something he's seeing, and it's manifested to him in such a way that it's reality right now, but yet he describes what will be as a, as a process of what is. He sees Jesus and he says, here he is unto us, and the government will be. He's saying he's going to establish. There are going to be things that are going to be established upon him. It's not now, but it's going to be. Going to be. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, the, the prince of peace is what I want you to focus on. Isaiah saw this, and it was happening to him in that moment. And he's describing Jesus in a manger as a child given. And he begins to articulate what will happen, what is going to happen from that moment forward, what is going to happen. What is it in your life that you see, but you haven't articulated what's going to happen? 
He calls him Prince of Peace because I believe the Prince of Peace is someone who establishes and brings forth that peace. Do we not need more peace in our life? I shouldn't say it that way. Do we not need to walk in more peace in our life? All right, so that's Isaiah. Now, one commentator said that in the, in the word peace, the word uh, prince, is literally translated tranquilizer. The great tranquilizer. So, you know, you're <clears throat> it's been a very busy week. And so this morning, I said, why prince of peace? What does that mean? Everything in the Word has significance. It's not just there for a reason. It's not just there to, to fluff it up. It's not just cotton candy. There's a reason why he said Prince of Peace. And I looked in that word, the great tranquilizer. So I looked up, what is a tranquilizer? What does it mean to... So a tranquilizer is a drug used to reduce anxiety and tension. Its goal is to calm you without putting you to sleep. Some of you are thinking, yeah, I know some people who need one of them. But then I looked at the word tranquil, and it means freedom from commotion. It's real easy to get caught up in the commotion of Christmas. It's real easy to get caught up in doing all this stuff and not receiving what he has asked us to receive. I want you to grab I want you to grasp this because the peace part is what I want you to grab. I want you to understand that you can see it right now. You can be walking in every level of commotion and not be affected by that commotion because of the prince of peace that resides within us. Even now, your mind is thinking, "Oh my goodness." You know, I mean, look around. Half people are gone. Why? Because it's Christmas. People shopping, people sleeping, people struggling with, you know, sickness, whatever. Whatever it may be, it, it's, it's a reality for the realm that we live in in the season that we live in. April went shopping last night, and she said, I, I've been in Dollar General, for, or she was in the Dollar Tree. She was in the Dollar Tree for two hours. I said, two hours? And she said, you should see the people in Dollar Tree. And I said, why is it so busy? She said, are you seriously, honey? It's Saturday night, 7 o'clock, the weekend before Christmas. Then she gets in line to grab some french fries for the girls. And there's 25 cars in front of her. We are in that season where it's easy. I don't want you. This is what I heard the Lord say. Don't let go of my peace because even if you're tired even if you're weary even if you're got a hundred and fifty things to do on your to-do list before tomorrow morning he's still the Prince of Peace and the enemy is always gonna try to rob us of that peace he tried to rob me of that peace this morning he tried to rob me of that peace yesterday He's always trying to steal something. Always trying to start something. Come on, now I was in a, a predominantly African-American church yesterday for a funeral. Y'all can shout me down. Don't, don't feel bad. 
They said, yes, Lord Jesus. I was like. Then something arose out of me. And I said, he's the Prince of Peace. I don't think y'all ready for that. Anyway, then they had the little guy on the organ. And I was like, oh, I had flashbacks. From when I was my first, the first time I preached when I graduated from seminary was at Thaddeus. How many of you remember Thaddeus? Was at his church. And me and my friend Seth were the only white boys there. And I preached on Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, that there's he who binds mercy and truth around his neck would find favor. And then the organ started and that was it. That's all I remember. <laughs> then I just started preaching about favor. And it was like, yes, Lord Jesus. We got to wake up some. That's not my message. My message is peace. But I can preach peace too. Peace. Peace. Jesus said in Luke chapter 2. No, not Luke chapter 2. He said in John 14, 27, he said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither, neither let it be afraid. The first thing I want you to understand about peace is peace has to be received. It has to be received. I've talked to people before, running around just, I mean, relatives. Y'all know what I mean when I say relative, Right? Relatives, it's busy, busy, busy. I just can't get a hold. I can't do this. I can't do this. Well, then stop and receive peace. I don't understand how to receive. I bet if I pulled out a $100 bill and said, would you want it? You know how to receive it. Jesus said, peace I give to you. Now who's got peace? I don't have peace no more because she got my wallet. She Somebody, if Joe was here, he would be like, I'm like Medea. I got my peace and steel right here. <laughs> he said, peace. Listen, he says, peace, I leave. He says, look, I, I'm leaving. This is one of the things, only the one, one of the only things I thought that he, that he said that he would leave. He said, peace, I leave with you. And then the Holy Spirit, who is the great counselor, the helper, one called alongside to help will come and help establish this in you. The peace. And the Holy Spirit comes and he seals that. And so then the Holy Spirit's walking around and you're in line and you're, you're just, oh my God, I, gotta, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I got to get ready. And yesterday morning I was like, uh, I got to get ready. I don't know what I'm going to talk about for Miss Maddie's funeral. And I mean, there's going to be all these people there. And they're not going to be white. It was two, and they weren't double-stuffed Oreo cookies. They were just them little, you know, them little new thin ones? Granny Carol got some of them little thin Oreo cookies. Them ain't Oreo cookies, them are crackers. I don't mean that. Stop. Y'all know what I mean, right? See, he had to go there. That's, that's him. So it was me and two others. And there, I mean, there had to have been, uh, how many people were there? 200? 
And uh, and it, and and if you if you if you die if you pass away, you won't. You want to have a black funeral because they celebrate the life. It's good to have something to celebrate. I mean, Miss Maddie's life was a demonstration of the kingdom of God. I mean, it was an honor for me to do her funeral. But I, he was trying to rob me of my peace. I didn't know what I was going to talk about. I'd had some stories, and I kind of knew, but I was trying to put it all together. And he just gave it to me. And I had peace. And when I got up there, I wasn't trying to be somebody that I wasn't. I was just trying to be myself and articulate what I was saying. But he tried, to, he tried to come and tried to steal that peace away from me because he knew that that moment was important. He knew that that moment was valuable. He knew that that moment was about articulating the degree to, to, what, to what degree that that woman had on the kingdom of God, the success and the level of influence that she He knew that was important, and he was trying to take my peace. Don't let him... Or anybody else rob you of that peace today? Let's just start today. Well, you don't know what I got to do. Can we all agree that maybe today we can agree to receive his peace? Jesus said, I do not leave. I leave with you peace. And my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I not give. In other words, the world always has a motive behind it he didn't have a motive he said not only do I give it but I leave it take the same analogy not only did he say okay my peace I give I leave to you my peace I give to you he says I'm gonna leave it and I'm giving it to you so now anybody can walk up and grab a hold of that peace Just take a deep breath. Now that's in the natural. Now be honest, do you feel better after you take a deep, did you feel better after taking a deep breath? Raise your hand if you did. If you didn't, that's fine. Okay. Now that was just in the natural. Now imagine you stopping for a moment and saying, okay, Father, I breathe in and receive your peace by faith see this is something that you got to do by faith it's not about feeling it's about telling your feelings to shut up for a moment and saying I receive your peace can we do that today the second thing oh no the, let me go back the first thing is that your peace the peace that you receive puts you in a place of protection when you're at peace, you're not worried and struggling with everything. You're, the peace that he gives, and we must receive it. And when we receive that peace, it puts us automatically in a place of protection. Protection from yourself, protection from the enemy, and protection from others. Anytime, most every time, I say this, most every time that I've seen something transpire in my life, I can almost, not all the time, this isn't 100%, but I can almost trace it back to there was something there was an area that there wasn't peace. There was something that was missing. Not from his standpoint, but from mine. 
Jesus was in the boat. And it was a clear evening. Smooth as glass. He was asleep. No. He was in the line, and there was 35 people in front of him to get some nuggets. And the kids were screaming in the back. See, now I'm bringing it home now. She touched me. Leave me alone. It's my turn on the iPad. And Jesus was asleep. Some of us think, that's too much. That's too much to attain to. No, it's not. He said, as I was, so are you. We can do it. We can be in this moment right now and in the moments that come, and we can stay established in his peace. 1 John 4, 8 says, Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Our church is called One Love. I would think that one love would accompany peace. If we express to people the love of God, then the peace of God should be a byproduct of that. If you're not feeling peace, it's because, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He doesn't want you to be uneasy. He doesn't want you to be too stressed to be blessed. He wants you to walk in that level of peace. Number two, peace. When you receive, when we receive that peace, it places us at rest. You can be busy. I said this last week. You can be busy doing 150 things and be at rest. Because rest is a position, not a performance. It's not, it's not, it's a mindset. It's a place where you reside. It's not your activity. It is not dictated by your activity. Rest does mean uh, free from uh, all this busyness, but you can be doing things and still be at rest. Jesus came to give us that. He said, come to me, all you who are weary, weary, weary and heavy laden, and I will give you more to do because you're not doing enough to perform for the kingdom. Is that what he said? No. All you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'm striving. My goal, my aim is to be at such a place of rest that people look at me and they say, you just don't care. To which I respond, you're right. Because I don't know about you, but I'm just going to take a wild guess. Let me see. Flip over there to Philippians chapter 4. Who's got the King James Version? Anybody got the King James? Uh, read verse 6 for us. The very, yeah, 4 6, Philippians 4 6. Be careful for nothing. But See, what? Now say that one more time. I don't think I heard you. Hang on. Be careful for nothing. For, uh, for some things? Nothing. What puts us in a place where we can actually exemplify this verse in our life? What gets us there? 
peace. He's the prince of peace. If you're at a place of peace, you're really not, you're less likely to be careful for something because you're walking around and you're always at peace. You know what peace looks like. Now let me say this. Do you know what peace doesn't look like? Yes, we know. Your blood sugar, I mean your blood pressure gets built up and 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 your body is the veins in your body constrict and and everybody in the room knows what it looks like. How do we get from here to here? And I'm telling you, he's the prince of peace. And we gotta see it. Just like Isaiah said, he said, I see it unto us, and I see that peace, and I say, I'm gonna isolate myself in the spirit, and I'm gonna say, I'm gonna stay right here in that peace. And the enemy comes and he goes, yeah, but when you get home, you got to blah, blah, blah. I'm going to stay. Shut up. I'm going to stay right here in that place of peace. Sometimes you got to receive his peace daily, moment by moment. Because it ain't like he gives it to you and then that's it. Or you ran out of peace, you got to wait till the next, you know, next Sunday, then some more peace will come. No, he's constantly flowing. It, it's an ever-flowing peace. And then, here's the, here's the change. God is wanting the kingdom of God, the children of God, the church, the people of God, to transition out of, I'm going to get something, to, I got it. Because he said, out of our belly, the very thing that we crave is in here. It's in here. That was what I was talking about yesterday. The realm that we live in is so dictated by things that are not dictated and not subjected to the kingdom of God. You're going to tell me that time sub is, is a subject over God, that God is subject to time? Lord, you've got to hurry up because we're running out of time. And he looks at you and says, boy, I created time. I established time. And we go, yes, and then, then the great deception to the church has been these songs that say God is this, and God is great. And God is like, yes, they know that. They need to know who they are. And we sing songs that say, God, I know you can do it again. And God goes, yeah, I've proven that. He said, I want you to understand that, that you can do it again. You He's waiting for the church to step over into the realm where I, I got. Not I, as in I, me, myself, and my strength. But we come to a revelation and a recognition of what he has given to us, and we say, I can do all things through Christ. Number three, Colossians 3.15. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 says this. And let, got to give it permission, the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body and be thankful. A couple of things. Number one, let means you got to give it permission to. The peace of God is not going to storm open your door. Kick it open and say, I'm here. Now submit. No, we got to let the peace of God. The, uh, the actual literal says, let it act as an umpire. You know what an umpire does? 
Number one, let it, uh, let, it, um, let it be the umpire over the decisions that would trouble you. Number two, overruling doubts that would disturb you. And number three, overthrowing the adversary's lies that would defeat you. Peace. Like an umpire. What does an umpire do? Listen, those guys that are... Uh, that are in the uh, that are in the major that are umpiring the major league baseball games. Those guys don't have any equipment on. They don't have no gloves. All the all the players are out there doing the work, and they just call the shots. Right? Straight. Everybody gets mad at the umpire. What happens when you get mad at the umpire? Huh? Now listen, this is important. In the game, I know it's not a game, but I'm going to use this analogy because it's in there. In the game of life, as a Christian believer, the bases are loaded. We're behind. And your star batter gets up there and he hits it. And it's really fair, but it goes, but it looks like it goes out and somebody calls foul and the umpire says, fair. And the whole place goes nuts. Because, I mean, they just, they, this is the determining factor whether or not they win. And so the coach for the opposing, the coach for the opposing, the coach for the opposing team, I know what it would look like if I said this yesterday. I said the coach for the opposing team comes up, right? The coach for the opposing team comes up and he says, it's good, Right? The coach comes up to the opposing team, to the umpire, and says, you lie. It's not good. And he's stomping and spitting. What does the coach, what does the umpire do? Let the peace of God act like an umpire in our lives. Sometimes, listen to me, I just, okay, Lord. There are times in our lives when we're not really sure whether it's fair or foul, whether it's good or bad. It's not real sure because sometimes our vantage point on the game is not the same as the umpire, the prince of peace that resides in our life. We're not sitting right there looking at that ball and it was half an inch over to the left, which makes it a foul. I mean, that makes it a ball instead of a strike. We're not sure because our vantage points are good. But if we trust the holy umpire in our life, the prince of peace, what will he do? He'll call it like he sees it. You ever see the coach sometimes? For the, for the home team. And he's sitting over there, and he sees that pitcher throw that ball, and he goes, man, that was a strike. And the ump goes, ball. And the, and the coach for the, for the home team, because it benefits him, he don't say nothing. There are times in our life where that happens. We, we, don't, we don't understand why sometimes the, in, why the enemy comes. We don't understand because he doesn't look like the enemy. He just looks like a, just one pitch, just one bat, just one inch over the foul line. But the umpire knows, and he says, foul ball. We don't always know that. But he does. And so we trust this people, there's things in our lives sometimes that, that the umpire will throw out of the game. And we don't understand why. Trust him in the game of life. The word that April got this week 
that I thought was really good was savor. The word savor means to give one's self to the enjoyment of something. Listen, guys, this is, the fav- this is my favorite time of the year. But I don't want to get to January and be like, man, I'm glad that's over with. We spent too much money, didn't get enough gifts, and fought with family. That's not what the reason for this season is about. It's about adoring him. It's about honoring him. But it goes one step beyond that. It goes honoring what he's done for us, given to us, so that we can walk in what he's given us. So I want you to, I want you to savor the moment that you're in. I want you to savor the peace that he's freely given. You don't have to do anything for that peace. And, and what is amazing about it is in the natural, you have to do things to achieve a state of peace within your body. You, you understand what I'm saying? That's why they came out with yoga. Some people run. I don't know why you would run to get peace, but if that's your thing, why you would nap for five minutes and call it a power nap? That ain't no power nap. That's a, I get irritated nap. But if it works for you, what I'm saying to you is this, is that let those moments, let the Holy Spirit be the architect and the umpire for the peace that's in our life. And let's walk, let's covenant together to walk in a level of peace this season. I don't want to get I don't want to get past Christmas and be like, "Oh, I, w- I, I wish I'd have done this." There's so many opportunities. Now I'm going to take it one step further. There are marvelous opportunities. I'm going to step out of the realm of making you feel good. I hopefully I've done that. And into the realm to now I want you to go and express something. You can't express something you don't experience. And you can't, you can't experience it if you don't embrace it. There's people out there that need the peace that is in Miss Geneva because she's an ambassador of peace. There are people out there that need the peace that is in Bill's life because they don't know that peace. And we're running, they're running around and they need to experience that peace. Some of you in here, some of us in here, may need uh, a fresh anointing of that peace, uh, a fresh experience of that peace in the moments and the times where we're at, where peace is so easily robbed from us. Let us purpose to live in the peace that's been provided. It, listen, it's, it's literally a decision that we make. How'd you get saved? How'd you get filled with the Holy Spirit? You, you made a decision because you, you experienced, there was something that was expressed to you and you received it, then you experienced it, and now you express it. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. Don't get caught up in the commotion. 
Don't get caught up in the commotion. Well, I got to hear from the Lord. Well, you ain't going to hear from the Lord running around with all that commotion. Trust me. Because I've tried it. But that doesn't mean that you don't have a lot going on, that you can't calm yourself, get to that place, and receive what it is that God's wanting to download. It's establishing us in that place of peace. Amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for that gift that you've given us, that you left with us. You said, peace I leave with you, peace I give with you. You were called. Not only did you leave it when you gave Jesus, but then Jesus left it. You established peace and order in the universe when Jesus came, and then you left, he left that peace for us to continue that mandate and to be expressions of peace and establish your peace on this earth as representatives of the kingdom of God. But we can't establish what we have not experienced and what we don't embrace. So we embrace it right now. We receive it. By faith, in Jesus' name, we receive your peace. and We determine to walk in that level of peace in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Uh, before we leave, we're going to do something different. I want Langston to come up and testify to something that he was telling me about the other day because the word, we overcome him, we overcome these areas in our life that the enemy attacks us in by the blood of the Lamb and what else? The word of the testimony. The testimony is powerful. Um, yesterday, we heard testimony after testimony after testimony of Miss Maddie's life. And it built faith in the room. It, it did something. And I'm not saying everybody received it, but it did something to the atmosphere. It, it charged the atmosphere. And when you left there, it wasn't like being at a funeral where you, didn't, you weren't sure. When you left there, you were, I have a greater level of accountability now as a result of being a part of that homegoing service. Because the mandate that was left as a legacy, I take that serious. But it was because of the testimony of her life. So I'm going to let Langston come up and give you a testimony that I thought that would bless you. And, uh, and then I'll let him dismiss us. We're thankful to have um, a God who has already put stuff inside of us and has already equipped us. And he knows the beginning from the end. So even as we walk out of here, we're always trying to be something. You know, and one of the things that Jesus said is, who do you say I am? And I, I'm always asking myself, well, now who am I? How do I identify myself? How do I become this Christian thing that we're supposed to, to be? And we make mistakes with everything that we do. But the Lord taught me something a few weeks ago when we went away for Thanksgiving. We went to Huntsville, Alabama with mom and 
my family, and we had an awesome time. But Inez and I stayed with the children in a hotel that was in the middle of a mall. And sometimes that can present problems when you have people that like to shop. But um, Inez was talking about a pair of earrings that she wanted to get. She says, I want these earrings, and I don't know what they look like, and I haven't seen them. And, and I'm saying, well, okay. So we started walking around. We looked up, and we saw uh, a jewelry store. It was called Jarrett's. And it was sitting away from the mall, probably about 300 feet. And I said, well, let's walk over there with the kids and just kind of walk through it. And a lot of times I hate these things because when you see you coming, they're like car salesmen. You know, people are just kind of pouncing on you, getting you to buy something. And um, we walked in and, you know, we started looking around the edge. And, you know, and then they had the center counter with the big stuff and stuff like that. So we were just cruising around and someone was helping Inez. And I started to walk around in a different direction. And um, a gentleman came over, well-dressed, groomed. I mean, it, it, I mean, these people, these are some pretty people that work in these places, too. And um, he walked over and said, hey, can, can I help you? And I'm like, oh, God, here comes the salesman. He's going to try to push this thing on me. And um, anyway, I just started to talk to him. Um, a little bit, you know, about, you know, sales and stuff like that, because I didn't really want him to sell me anything. Oh, we're just looking, you know, you know that word, we're just looking. And uh, he and I started to talk a little bit, and I said, wow, you know, I said, how are sales going? And he says, well, really, I'm, I'm actually the manager here. I really don't do the sales aspect, but I have a team of 15 salespeople under me here. And I said, wow, that, that's pretty neat. And, um, you know, he was kind of talking about what he does and, you know, knows nothing about me whatsoever. And um, I just started, you know, asking questions. And generally when I go places, I just like to engage with people because sometimes when we walk into places, God is doing something with us and he's getting ready to use us. So, you know, we started to talk and I said, well, maybe I have a word from but I wasn't sure what the word was. And he and I started to talk, and I said, well, how long have you been here? And he tells me, oh, I've been here for, you know, probably about five years. And I said, hmm, I said, do you, do you enjoy this aspect of what you do? I said, you seem to really enjoy this. He says, well, yes, I do. He says, um, I'm really trained. He says, I went to nursing school back in Texas. And he said, um, I'm a trained nurse, but he says, I've never served one day as a nurse. And I said, well, how did that happen? And I'm saying, Lord, I'm in a healthcare profession. I said, maybe there's something in this. So, you know, I'm listening, kind of what the Lord wants to say. And he says, well, I was going to nursing school in Texas. He says, I got out and I realized there, he says, I'd be looking for a job. But he said, I had a part-time job on the weekend selling cars. And he said that there was um, a man that came one Saturday. And he said he came in and he was looking through cars. And he told me what car he wanted. And it was a high-end car. And he says, with me, he says, I never really try to sell something that someone doesn't need. So he says, I always start asking questions because he says, I'm the kind of person that wants to put people where they are in, in what they need, not what I can sell them. And I said, wow, this is cool. And he says, this man came in and says, well, I want this car. And he says, I asked him, well, what kind of car do you want? What are you using it for? Do you do, use it for recreation? Will you use it as your daily rider? Um, you know, what's your budget? And he says, I went down the whole list. And he said, when I got finished, 
I realized that the car that this man wanted was really not the car for him. And he says, I spent time convincing him that that wasn't the car. It was actually he could get everything that he needed out of a car that was less expensive. And I, I was like, yeah, right. You sold him the cheaper car with less of a commission. Yeah, uh-huh, right. And he says, no, he says, really, he says, um, that's how I ended up with this job. Because he said, the man at the end of the day, he says, if I had a job for you, would you leave and come to Huntsville, Alabama and work for me? And I was like, no, he says, I wouldn't leave selling these cars to come to Huntsville, Alabama and sell jewelry. He says, probably not. I'm in nursing school. And he says, the guy left. And he said, the next day the guy came back. And he said, the guy says, I don't know if you understood me yesterday, but you've got something that I need. And I need you in Huntsville, Alabama. And I, I have a jewelry chain that I'm the CEO of. I'm the CEO. He said the CEO of Jarrett walked into that car dealership. And I don't know if you know anything about Jarrett, but if you look at Jarrett, K Jewelers is owned by Jarrett. Um, Zales is owned by Jarrett. And they own probably about 10 chains of jewelry. It's all owned by the same people. We think we're buying different and we're competing. It's all owned by the same guy. And he says, here I am walking around. And he says, so I said, what is it about me? He says, well, there's a technique that you had that you don't even know about that's natural, that's in you already. He says, you asked me what I needed, and you sought something that was going to fit what my needs were, not what I thought that I wanted to have. And he says, that's something that you cannot train people to do. And he said, this has been a blessing to me because he says, as a time I was in Texas, he says, my marriage was falling apart. I had two kids. And he said, this man found out that I had some issues going on. And he says that he cared enough about me where he sent me away for four weeks with my wife on a vacation. And we got counseling. And he says, and then we moved here with my marriage being stronger than ever. He says, now as a nurse, he says, the jobs that I was seeking, he said, I'd probably make about $70,000 a year. And he says, you'd think that salespeople don't make that kind of money. But he says, as the manager, he says, my salary last year was $225,000. And I said, wow. He said, last month, he says, I received an end-of-the-year bonus of $80,000, which would have exceeded my whole year's salary if I had been a nurse. He says, I didn't come looking for this job. It was something that I thought that I couldn't do. And he says, because I was obedient, now I've stepped into this. I started to talk to him about pastoring. I said, man, there's a call on your life to just kind of minister and to serve others and to even pastor. And he, said, he, he looked at me and he laughed and tears came in his eyes. And he says, I am a pastor. He says, but not only do I, I pastor at my church, and I probably need to do a better job of doing that, but he said, these 15 people that work here, he said, this is my family. This is my responsibility. I pastor them also. So it's just a testimony. Wherever you are right now, and it doesn't look like the right thing, if you'll just be you wherever you go and try not to be anything less than or more than you are, God's got a situation, and he has got a place for you in your career even when you walk out these doors, you're going to walk into a situation where God's got something, and you don't have to be anything. It is about what we've been called to do, even in this ministry, to be one love, to just care enough to ask the questions. And I had an opportunity to pray with him and that he would be blessed and his family would be blessed. And I may never see him again, 
but I just wanted to share that with you. And I was sharing that with Pastor today to ask you to kind of step into whatever your gifting is because it's already in you. It's not nothing, nothing that I have to go back. Lord, please give this thing to me. He has already created you to be. So as you walk from this place, just be. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this season. I thank you for One Love Church where we have got members out here that you have already equipped and you've already gone before us in our area of influence, whether it be at work, whether it be at school, whether it be the next place that we go. You have made provision. Help us to open up our hearts, our mind, our wills, and our emotion wherever we go to be that expression of your love so that we will have a word in season that will minister to people that are around us, to charge them up, to know, let them know that God loves them on all that we do. Help us to be obedient. Help us not to ignore the signs that we carry something wherever we go and we're on the mission field. We're secret agents for the kingdom, Father, and we received that assignment. I bless the individuals that are here. If there's anyone that's visiting, I hope that you've been blessed and encouraged by our words. For the folks that are here already, I ask you to step into the next level. For the Father has called you to that thing even now and into the next year in your business, in your schooling, in your family. Give us words that will encourage those members that are under us. Be a blessing in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen.